From Georgetown University, this is Seeking Peace. I'm Milan Verveer. In December 2011, dozens of women gathered to demonstrate outside the Prime Minister's office in Tripoli. Some were chanting in unison, while others symbolically covered their mouths with tape. Women protesting. This was unheard of only months earlier, but these were the first signs of the Arab Spring in Libya. Protesting uh, was a big part of the, the change in Libya, starting from the revolution in 2011 up until the later years. Rawan Khalfala was a wide-eyed teenager when the uprising began. She quickly grew disappointed as post-Arab Spring elections and transitional governments failed to control growing infighting, which in 2014 led to a civil war and the arrival of foreign insurgents. Rowan realized that protesting did not bring the change young people needed. She felt like her life was on hold, indefinitely. To give you an example for this, uh, I'm in my last year in dentistry school. I was supposed to graduate two years ago. Whenever the students want to talk to the administration or talk to our professors to resume our studies, they propose protesting. Sometimes people showed up, some t- other times people did not show up. In today's story, produced in collaboration with UN Women, we will hear about Rowan's work to advance peace and security at all levels of women's lives. Rowan starts by empowering girls at home and in school so they can lift up their voices in politics and the peace table. Our producer, Cairo Rolando, has more. A family of four is watching the nightly news. The daughter is hyper-focused on the TV as she clutches her pillow to her chest. She watches as the male news anchor says to his female co-host, People like you don't understand anything. They belong in the yard. Her brother agrees with a male anchor. These women think they know, and they have no idea. This could be a typical scene in Libya. Except for what happens next. The daughter stands up, goes to her room, and comes back transformed into a superhero. She confronts her brother. Shame on you. This is a civilized discussion. Just because he's a man doesn't mean he's better than her or gives him the right to attack her. Who is he to determine how smart she is? If she wasn't successful and smart, she wouldn't be on TV. That's one of the stories from Supernasawin, or Superwomen, in Libyan Arabic. It's a comic strip series that Rowan Khalfala helped create to challenge gender stereotypes, starting at home. And we were thinking, like, what would make people listen? Like, what would be something that's attractive, provocative, that will make people look twice and start a conversation? When Rowan says we, she's talking about her colleagues at Together We Build It. It's a nonprofit in Libya where she works as a project manager. 
At just 23 years old, Rowan plans and implements campaigns to show why women's voices are essential to building and sustaining a peaceful society. For her, as for many women in Libya, peace doesn't just mean an end to armed conflict. It also means working towards equality and freedom in all parts of women's lives. And we, we thought that people always associate the word violence to physical violence. And based on our surveys and based on our research, the gender-based violence in Libya, it's not only physical, it's, it's much more deeper than that. We heard stories about uh, economic violence, political violence, and social violence. The comics are designed to showcase how scenarios that many Libyans still view as normal are actually detrimental to women's rights. These superwomen fight violence and oppression in the home. The superpowers that these women have is that they can recognize violence. Because when you talk about these things, people don't even recognize it. We do not admit that there is a problem in the first place. The stories are ones most Libyan girls and women can relate to, like not being taken seriously at school or not being seen as intelligent as their male counterparts. There's one comic that particularly resonated with Rowan. A group of girls is expected to clean up their classroom after school, but the boys are given a pass because cleaning is seen as a girl's duty. Rowan had experienced this herself. I remember how I I faced that in school. I never really had that uh, much of a voice. I was always the quiet girl who would just like witness something and then I would stand still. I was very shy. But Rowan wasn't the quiet girl for long. The way I describe my life, it's it's one part before 2011 and then um, another thing completely after 2011. Before 2011, women's representation in formal politics was almost non-existent. In fact, just before the revolution, Libya ranked 91st out of 102 countries for gender equality, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Then, the revolt against Gaddafi began. During that time, Rowan managed to finish high school and even traveled to the U.S. for a few months as part of a program focused on youth and civil society. This was a major turning point for her. I went to this exchange program in 2013 and I came back as like a person who got actually reborn. Rowan returned to Libya energized, determined to fight toxic gender norms and to work hard so that other girls and women could have the same opportunities she had, even during a conflict that seemed to have no end. She learned about Together We Build It and decided to start volunteering for them. The organization has been established since uh, 2011. It was initially established to basically support a peaceful political transition through empowering young people and women. The organization works through three main approaches, which were advocacy, consultation, and awareness. Beyond empowering girls in their homes, these activists also elevate women's voices in politics. They do something that has never been done before in Libya. They gather women from different regions to discuss policy recommendations for the future of their country. So it's really making them aware of their rights and their capabilities and highlighting that and uh, emphasize on the essential role that they should uh, really take the lead on. 
While doing that, we also try to advocate and lobby on a national level, but also on an international level. We are here today in Geneva uh, to uh, take part of the side event of the uh, 39th session of uh, the Human Rights Council. Recently, they shared some of these recommendations at the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva. To draw attention to the lack of the meaningful participation of Libyan women. They are also working with activists from all over Libya to push the country to adopt a national action plan in accordance with UN Security Council Resolution 1325. That resolution calls for, quote, an increase in the participation of women at decision-making levels in conflict resolution and peace. Rowan and her colleagues carry out all of this important work amidst a whole host of other conflict-related challenges. Years of infighting have wrecked infrastructure. Electricity and safe transit between cities can be highly unreliable. Rowan and I recently exchanged voice notes about these issues. Um, so, so the issue with electricity is that every day we witness, um, I don't know, like from 10 to 14, 16 hours of power cut, um, which d- really depends on the street uh, you're at or the city you're at. Um, the so most sobering thing about Rowan's voice note was the parallel she drew between the power outages and bombings. Uh, power cuts, uh, they're not as nearly as frustrating as hearing bombs because, again, it's the mental mental pressure that they cause. It's completely... Rowan's work is clearly difficult, but these kinds of efforts are necessary to build lasting peace in Libya. Numerous data shows that having women as part of the peace process really will ensure that the peace is more sustainable. UN program analyst Saskia Benet works with women peacebuilders in Libya. Saskia and her colleagues at UN Women work to support people like Rowan. Their Libya Women Peacebuilding Network encourages women from across the country to use their phones to connect, discuss, and overcome their differences in the interest of peace. So, for example... Um, we would receive a call saying, you know, we've heard about this, there's been an incident in this area. Um, What can we do about it? There are, in a theoretical way, an early warning system. And we take this information and we say, look, through our women's networks, we have been receiving trends and patterns that demonstrate that X has been happening here, Y has been happening here. And this shows a kind of conflict analysis from a gender perspective that is impossible to find in any other way. The latest round of UN-sponsored peace talks have been stilted. But Saskia and her colleagues remain hopeful for the inclusion of women whenever negotiations continue. Especially because earlier this year, there were some signs that their inclusion and expertise were finally gaining recognition. There was a political dialogue earlier this year, and 11 women were issued invitations. Uh, 10 women participated in the deliberations. And following the the dialogue, putting aside whether it was uh, successful or not, one of the main points of the former special representative of the Secretary General commented on the tenacity and the extremely important interventions done by the Libyan women. We were just 
overjoyed that suddenly, you know, everything that we had been fighting for to get these women at the table and suddenly they were finally recognized for their incredible inputs. COVID-19 has further complicated women's participation in the peace process. They've suffered the brunt of the pandemic's impact on Libya. But Saskia's also seen how women have come together to help one another. We've had women at the community level, if we look at the COVID response, who have been acting before there was many of the official guidelines, were creating their own WhatsApp groups, sending out um, PSAs, and ensuring that the people in their communities had the correct information. These women have been experts in their communities and in the public arena for a really long time. And I think it's really about time that we sit down and that we all listen to them and that we support them and accompany them to ensure that their expertise is well known and utilized as effectively as possible. Ultimately, Roman's goal is aligned with the work UN Women does in Libya, removing obstacles that hold women back at home, in school, at work, and in politics. They also offer them safe spaces so that they can have a part in building a brighter future for everyone. As Roman says, Libyan women have always had a vital role in managing conflicts and making peace in their own families and communities. We directly find women with capabilities right in front of us to include. And to be honest, in Libya's case, it's women are out there. We do have a lot of capacities uh, that women obtain. We have a lot of amazing women politicians. Uh, we have a lot of amazing women activists. But it's also essential for, to, to have more, you know, for women to demand more spaces. At the time of this recording, rival political leaders in Libya announced an immediate ceasefire and called for peace talks. Rowan and all the superwomen that work with her are determined to have a place at the table. Libya currently ranks 157th out of the 167 countries on the Women, Peace, and Security Index that the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace, and Security publishes yearly. The Georgetown Index takes a comprehensive look at the condition of women's well-being. And as Rowan knows, the condition of women and the condition of nations goes hand in hand. This story was produced by Caro Rolando in collaboration with UN Women. If you like what you heard, please share it far and wide. You will find all of our episodes on your favorite listening app or at seekingpeacepodcast.com. In our next episode, we'll interview UNESCO Press Freedom Laureate and investigative journalist Janeth Bedoya. We'll hear about her fight to secure justice for survivors of sexual violence and about the challenges that women journalists face in Colombia to this day. The faith that these women have is what I believe allows those of us who work for peace to still stand today. What I can tell you today is that not even a war or a pandemic can stop them. These women are invincible. That's next time on Seeking Peace.
The second season of Seeking Peace is a production of Georgetown University's Institute for Women, Peace, and Security and Adonde Media in collaboration with UN Women and Our Secure Future. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the interviewees and participants and do not necessarily represent the views of UN Women, the United Nations, or any of its affiliated organizations. I'm your host, Milan Verveer. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear another podcast featuring impressive women, we recommend Your Presidential Playlist. It offers a guide to the presidential election, explained by the women who know it best. Host Emily Tish sussman speaks with elected officials, campaign organizers, and activists to understand this important race. Listen and subscribe to your presidential playlist wherever you get your podcasts. To achieve better security outcomes, women have to be at the center of decision-making, all decision-making. Hi, I'm Sahana Dharmapuri, director of Our Secure Future. Women make the difference. We believe that when women tell their stories, they change the world. We know that diverse voices lead to more inclusive and better solutions for everyone. That's why Our Secure Future supports this season of Seeking Peace. Help us change the world, one story at a time. Listen to what women say about making a more peaceful and secure future.